Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this Elevation podcast series episode focusing on early age instruction. I have some experts with me today. I have Kate Tempesta, LPGA professional, Peter Weissel, PGA professional, and Maggie Hartman, PGA professional and member of our education committee here in the Colorado section. So, um, Kate, I'd just like to lead off with you, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in golf instruction. Um, I grew up in upstate New York, and after graduating from college, I wanted a big city experience, so I moved to New York, and I pursued my career. Um, I studied sports medicine in college, and so I pursued for the next four or five years working with injured athletes, which then turned into working with people of all walks of fitness life. Um, it was in that time working with one of my clients, and she was director of a nursery school. And after meeting her and working with her in her office and walking through this preschool on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, um, I got to see the life that the children were living in this preschool. And it really hit me like a ton of bricks because I was kind of in that concrete jungle, sort of lost my sense of purpose as being an athlete myself. Um, Side note, did not grow up playing golf, had no interest in it. And and when I moved to the city, I was a three-sport athlete trying to find my purpose. Um, And when I walked in, so through my work with injured athletes and and turning it into a fitness career, um, I just wasn't, I wasn't inspired. Um, And I walked into this preschool and it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I just loved being around these children. So fast forward a few months, she offered me a position teaching creative movement uh, in preschool. And it was one day a week after school. I, I took a chance. I started taking classes in early childhood, um, started building my mentors around what is creative movement and what is early childhood education. And I simply fell in love with it. And within three months, it became a full-time, five-day-a-week program that I taught three to six-year-olds in preschool. So I was taking things that they were learning in their classroom, math, science, literacy, history, arts, and bringing it into an experiential learning environment where children got to move their bodies and learn different concepts through these different disciplines. That afforded me my summers off, and I started playing golf very seriously because a teacher that I was teaching with was an avid golfer, and she's like, I think you'd like it. And given the fact that I had lost sense of, of, of purpose around being an athlete, I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And I just – it. I fell in love with it. And I was just shy of my 30th birthday. I played more golf in the next five years than probably most people play in 50 years. And my coach inspired me to become an LPGA teaching club professional. And I took the jump and I went back to the director of my preschool and I said, what would you think about me teaching golf? I'm pretty sure I can gather children through creative movement and golf is a creative motion and I have the classroom management strategies. And so I brought my first golf program to 900 square feet in 2007. Fast forward a couple of years, I, I launched the urban golf Academy and they, we then went out to affect teach upwards of 1400 children ages three to six in New York city, off the golf course, in schools, in the park, on rooftops, um, and I've done that for the past since 2007. That's, that's my experience in a nutshell. I'm not a technical, tactical, didn't grow up playing golf. Um, I was an athlete, came from a family of educators. I fell into teaching child early childhood and took a ton of classes around it. And I just, like, 
wanted to I wanted to blend the two things. And so I've been very, very fortunate to make a career out of that. And it's it's been a real a real joy. That's a fantastic way to get started in golf. I would have maybe never made the connection between teaching preschool and then becoming an LPGA teaching professional, but what a journey. Yeah. So it's very unique. Um, Peter, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and some of your background in golf. So I, uh, I grew up in New Jersey, northern New Jersey, actually about uh, 10 or 12 miles west of Manhattan. So not too far from where uh, Kate spent most of her adult life and did not grow up playing uh, playing golf. Played just about every other sport out in the sun. Uh, played lots of lacrosse, uh, lots of ice hockey, and then tried just about everything else. Um, and I had some friends in high school introduce me to golf. My parents played, so I, I knew what the sport was. I understood you had to wear a college shirt and khaki shorts and all that stuff. But uh, I, uh, I had lacrosse practice canceled one day for what reason I cannot remember. But some friends of mine who were on the golf team my freshman year in high school said, hey, come on out. This will, this will be fun. We're just uh, we'll come out and play. Um, I lost by a lot. Uh, I wasn't all the, the athlete in me didn't really enjoy the losing part. Uh, so, uh, that summer, instead of practicing lacrosse and doing the dry land training and stuff for, uh, hockey and other sports that I usually would do, I wound up playing a ton of golf and, um, Joined the golf team the next year in New Jersey. That was uh, lacrosse and golf were the exact same season for high school athletes. So kind of took the jump um, and realized that uh, I had a lot of fun playing golf because it was me. It was just me out there playing. There was nobody else. I, I loved being on a golf team, played in uh, high school and college on my golf team, really enjoyed being part of a team, but you kind of had to be uh, accountable for yourself. If you didn't practice, that was on you. Uh, that's why you didn't get better. Um, after playing in college, I started working at golf courses when I was 16. Uh, I have literally only ever worked at golf courses, for better or worse. And um, uh, I, after college and competing, kind of got a little lost as far as where is this. I grew up being an athlete, kind of like Kate, just this sense of self. Um, and the, a, a person that I worked with who taught a lot, uh, back in Virginia didn't really want to teach really little kids. Uh, so kind of through some random things happening, uh, I had the opportunity to be an intern, uh, at a club in New Jersey and teach summer camps. And then I worked at a club in Virginia, uh, after I graduated from college where, uh, little, like 10 and under kind of just fell into my lap. Uh, it was the opportunity to not fold shirts, to not be in a pro shop. I have a tremendous amount of respect for people who work in pro shops. I listened to the episode you did on merchandising, which was really, really enlightening for me. Um, but I kind of found a place where I felt a lot of reward from helping others enjoy the game of golf, uh, even though I had... Um, played well and I didn't feel I didn't have the same kind of reward that I had in high school and beating my friends or playing on the college golf team uh, so I start I just 
started reaching, wanting to teach more, reaching out to people who could try to help me teach, did go down the technical route, uh, as most of us do, buying books, watching videos, um, things of that nature. Uh, and then the last couple of years has been more it's like, okay, Peter, you have all this technical knowledge, but actually how do you coach human beings and, and how, like whether they're uh, younger or older, but particularly with younger kids, you can't all of a sudden just talk about forces and torques like that's not even a conversation not even a conversation uh so kate's been really helpful with that and helping me become a better coach and that's kind of where i am now i've like i said i've only been in the golf industry so um, definitely have some similar background to many of us we've all washed carts we've all uh, done those little things but um, I really, really enjoy helping people be outdoors in whatever that is and help them enjoy playing golf a little bit better. And that's for the last, I guess, kind of almost 10 years now where I've really received more joy. Um, I do play a lot still, but it's definitely more rewarding to have students play well and see kids. I just got a text yesterday that one of my students who's five just saw their grandparents who play golf for the first time in in over a year and i'm like that is oh my gosh that made my weekend it it really did that's awesome and how did you get connected with uh kate's program uh i uh i ran operation 30 uh operation 36 programs for this uh either five or six years um so when kate started working with matt and ryan um i knew that the kind of six and under was a huge gap in the programs that i ran and uh i reached out kate and i actually have only met in person once it was at the pga show a couple years ago when i first um purchased the like original uh like the original birdie basics kit that was about three Oh gosh, like three years ago. And um, that's how I kind of had first heard about, I heard about her and started jumping into uh, the kind of a more emotional side of, of coaching versus the technical side. That's great. And I, I didn't know that you had worked with uh, Kate, that you had worked with operation 36. That's a really cool introduction to getting into that program is, starting younger and younger and so maggie say that again partnership i mean it's not it's not anything official other than Mm -hmm. they know that they the six and under program is lacking um in what they used to do and they know that they they have you know some success in what i do and so they helped me leverage you know where i'm able to leverage their 550 facilities and be able to talk to them and offer them you know, some special pricing options on how they can deliver six and under programming. So, and we just launched a free partner course this past January. So any Operation 36 facility now has access to a free course um, and has access to purchase some of the materials to go out and they don't need to become a full-fledged Birdie Basics member, but they can go out and purchase some of the materials that we use to create the learning environment so that they can at least, you know, connect on some level with with young children they can put one foot in and not just go all in and say i'm going to be peter and deliver a six member experience because he's like a premier member and does everything and has access to it all but the vast majority of golf professionals not so much they're not going to want to do that right sure 
And so with everybody's facility, it sounds like the six and under is the age range that would consider be considered early age instruction. And those are kind of like we talked about before we started, you know, being at a couple green grass facilities before I worked for the section, I have turned people away. I will be the first to admit that I've turned people away saying, Hey, you know, my grandson's three years old, four years old. What can we, what kind of golf programs can we get him into this summer, get her into this summer? And it's my answer was always mm, come back and see me when they're like six or seven. And after hearing Kate, I think I first heard your presentation and heard about your program at the youth and family golf summit in like, the evidence 17 2017-2018 yeah somewhere around there I watched your presentation and uh, really really liked it and have followed you on social media and stuff ever since and at that point in time I was not at Greengrass anymore but it's something that I wish I knew when I was still in the in the teaching position and and could have been able to add that into my club's junior golf academy or junior golf programming so that's great um, Maggie, kind of introduce me a little bit. I know you said you do some early early age instruction at Experience Golf. Tell me what your programming looks like. I do, yeah. So I'm at Experience Golf at Common Ground, which is the home of the Colorado Golf Association. Um, and we run a program. So our main junior golf program is Operation 36, so kind of similar. Um, I think, Peter, what you've done and, and Kate, you, you know a lot of what that Operation 36 is, that whole our perspective, starting from 25 yards, the progression model, moving back to 50, 100, um, shooting 36 or better. So what we do for three to six year olds is what we call future 36ers. Um, so that is um, once a month for an hour. Um, Saturdays or Sundays, just in the morning. Um, so they come for five weeks. So we see them five times in one semester. Um, and that program is, we call it Future 36ers, you know, in a way kind of designed to prepare these um, really young kids for, you know, potentially continuing on in our programs and playing more golf. But honestly, um, I think you guys would understand as well as a lot of golf pros, um, but mostly parents is like really the goal with them is just to help them have fun. Um, and give them kind of the idea, give them a good experience on the golf course. Um, a lot of these kids, you know, this is their first time at a golf course, but also like a first time in structured activities with other kids and coaches um, outside of like a preschool setting. Um, so that's the rundown of what we do. We do our future 36ers. So again, three to six years. That's a great way to start them. And I like the semester system. I'm not 100% familiar with your programming up there, obviously, but um, I kind of like being able to do the same classes and run them through that. So that's cool. Um, so let's kind of take a little bit of a deep dive into what the instruction would look like at this. Kate, I'd kind of like to hear what your activities look like and how do you engage kids that are that young? So my the tenets of the Birdie Basics program are really uh, using play as a powerful modality for learning. So leveraging the, the the idea that children really like to create and to play and to invent certain things and take on different personas. And um, so we use that quite a bit. Um, I draw a ton on my classroom management strategy. It's just being in an early childhood environment for 10 years and, and understanding the power of things like routine 
cues, like why circle time is a part of every single preschool routine and kindergarten as well. Um, So using those strategies and really building it into each and every class, um, that's the glue, right? I mean, the golf stuff is all sort of, you know, the the icing on the cake, but you're not going to be able to make the cake without things like classroom management, without routines and circle time, without creative movement. Like children need to move. It's the primary, like it's a language all children speak. So if we're not using that in our golf learning environment, then you're, you're missing a, a ton of opportunity to engage, connect to your audience, um, and get a lot of attention out of your children. Um, I use things like simply give like the softer skills of, of, of golf, I would say, of, of instruction, of guidance, of coaching is giving children the chance and the opportunity, the time and the space to explore. If a child wants to stop and spend an extra few minutes doing something, that's very age appropriate. I mean, I think we need to remember these children are three and four and five years old and they haven't really been on this earth that long. And they've been on this earth walking for a very short period of time. So they're very much in this. How does my body work in time and space? And how does this object work? And how can I? And if you can bring that into the learning environment and somehow weave that in, um, I think that's just a very captivating and compelling um you know, so I don't know that I'm giving you activities per se, but these are the things that have to be in a birdie basics program, in my opinion, like in a three to six year old uh, classroom. We use language. Birdie has created her own language around the technical and the tactical. So, yes, the children are having fun. And we're, you know, our primary goal is that these children walk away from the golf environment saying, wow, that was cool. And I want to come back so that we can continue to scaffold their learning and their understanding. But all of that said, they're learning from the very first day that they come through these birdieisms. So they're learning how to hold a club. They're learning where to position their feet. They're learning length of swing. They're learning the amount of energy it takes to get the ball from point A to point B. And over time, with the right expectations of a golf coach, true, deep, meaningful, powerful learning takes place. So I, you know, it, 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 rubs me the wrong way a little bit when I hear a lot of junior golf coaches saying, you got to keep it fun. You got to keep it fun. You got to keep it fun. You do, but it's more than like a birthday party, right? Like you can actually guide and teach golf. So, you know, back to what this podcast is called, which is early. What is it? Early golf instruction. Early age instruction. You know, the one thing I, I've never met, like, when I hear the word instruction, I hear, I'm telling you what to do. I'm going to instruct you what to do and how to do it. And I just don't think that young children receive that, that, that mode of information, right? So, um, I consider myself kind of a guide, right? And then we all consider ourselves coaches. And I just, like, like the word instruction just kind of, when it fits into early childhood, I think there has to be, and it's not that instruction is not, important or doesn't have a valuable place in the learning environment. But oftentimes I think it becomes like the predominant prevailing force. And I think you lose a lot of children. And so there has to be, you know, this, this blend of direct instruction and a lot of play. And when you can find that balance, I think a lot of great things happen. Um, So I hope, hopefully I answered a little bit of your question. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've i always kind of, I have a kid now that she turns a year old in two weeks. 
And so I'm interested to see how she develops and plays and moves. And, you know, she's just starting to walk and just starting to be able to tactfully play with toys and, and different things. And so I'll be interested to see when she gets to that age, I might use her as a little bit of a, an experiment with, within my household just to see if I can really teach her some sports at, at that early of an age. Because like I said, before I saw your program, I would never have even considered to do something like that. So, um, Peter, talk to me a little bit about how you run your early age coaching, which you might have just con convinced me to change the name of the episode there because I like that much better. Um, tell me how you work your early age coaching at Trent Warrior Golf Academy. So um, obviously the last the last year or so has been a little different than normal. Um, when I started working for Trent, I was doing group classes indoors, uh, which I know we'll get into kind of uh, teaching spaces and so forth a little bit later. I'm actually looking forward to talking about that. Um, so I've been doing it mostly private or uh, privately, like one-on-one -on -one with kids, or have been doing uh, siblings, maybe a close friend. So we have been doing some groups. I prefer small groups uh, because then the kids also get the, not only are they spending time at the golf course, learning how to associate joy with the course, but they're also um, really gaining the social aspects of golf and learning how to interact with each other and share and be teammates and work together towards uh, what can be kind of a common mission. I feel like goal is unfair. That's something we set as adults, and often in golf we get into scores and hitting a shot through a hoop and so forth. Um, but uh, the way the way we have it set up, uh, and the way I've always viewed it, is as a way to introduce introduce children to the game and really the atmosphere that is very adult centric. Uh, even some places are not very uh, keen on uh, high school or middle age middle age golfers uh, spending too much time. Uh, thankfully, at, at Meridian at uh, Trent Warner, uh, Trent's Golf Academy, we have a lot of space. Um, so I feel very fortunate that we can really pick and choose. I, I have the ability to kind of pick and choose uh, appropriate spaces for each kid. So some, if someone's a little bit more um, advanced, and I kind of air quotes advanced, uh, maybe they've learned from a, a, a family member before they've come. So they've actually held a golf club. Um, we can kind of tailor things. Yes, uh, birdieisms are always there. Magic magic shoes uh, and magic tracks are there constantly. Um, I think the birdieism flashcards actually, I, um, I, I'm going to have to order more because uh, hands are best friends in particular is getting very, very worn out because uh, these birdieisms go beyond uh, just three to six years old. Uh, and that's something that I've enjoyed when you get to work with kids uh, who are developing and are learning over time. These fra these phrases uh, that that help engage our younger golfers really stick with them. So I've definitely confused a few kids who didn't go through any kind of uh, early childhood uh, golf with me or another Birdie Basics instructor um, because I'll point and at someone and be like, hey, remember, hands are best friends and they're eight years old. Um, and they know exactly what I'm talking about. They confuse it's like, well, we didn't learn that in class. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it ends up being a lot of groups, but it's, it's so unique from child to child. 
and class to class that I, I've really enjoyed the last few years being able to see how every single group is different and every child is different. So I almost have <laughs> to a certain extent trouble answering like there's no black and white answer to this question. It's uh, but that's that's the really the joy of coaching uh, any age, but in particular, this age group is there every single four year old's different, every single six year old's different. They come from a different place with different experiences that all influence um, how they learn and how they act at the golf course. That's fascinating. And I'm, I'm glad that you're uh, interested on in talking about spaces because that's one that I, I was kind of excited about. So we'll keep a pin in that one and revisit. Um, Maggie, what do your what do your activities look like when you work with your? You said you call them future thirty sixers. We do. Um, yeah, call them future thirty sixers. It's kind of funny. I have looked also for years at um, birdie basics and a lot of Kate stuff. So I'm excited. In the next couple months, Our, the stuff we do may change a little bit. Um, we have in the past done a lot of snag. Um, it's kind of interesting, and I think it's something to consider that a lot of parents. Um, they do want their kid using a real golf ball and a real club. In my experience, at least that's what I found is, um, you know, with snag and some of the tennis balls and stuff, um, it's great and it's awesome and it helps the kids learn. Um, I've just had a lot of parents, you know, call them and say, hey, I'm looking for a program. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. You will start at three. Um, you know, what's the equipment you're going to use? So um, we do uh, everything that we do is very play based, very activity based, um, kind of like these guys have also mentioned. Um, but my background is a lot with first tee. So um, always being sure, um, like Peter said, you know, not we're not setting goals. We're not hitting stuff through that. We're not counting how many we can get in the square. Um, but it's a game um, and activities. Um, also, for me, giving private lessons to, you know, anyone under the age of six. At first, that was a challenge for me. I was kind of like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to spend 30 minutes or 45 minutes um, with one little person um, by myself? And what I found is using their imagination and using play. Um, so for them, you know, imagining that hitting the ball in the hole is, um, you know, trying to get a puppy out of the pound or something, just using their imagination totally um, dials them in, locks them into what they're doing. And I guess the biggest thing for me with juniors, honestly, of all ages, but especially this younger age group is kind of like tricking them into learning. So if they are playing a game or doing an activity, they're learning and they're getting better without really realizing it. Um, one thing for me with this age group, that's a little different than older. And I'd be interested in like, computer, what you have to say with this too, um, with, where my activities do look different is with teaching them. Um, one thing I realized is you're kind of like teaching someone who speaks a different language. Um, if you have given a lesson to someone who speaks a different language, you know what I mean here. But, you know, for example, with Operation 36, they use I-Y-A-L. So swinging Y to Y or L to L. Um, it's funny, the moment I realized with the six-year-old that they didn't know the alphabet yet and that that wasn't going to work um, was a learning experience for me. So these activities are definitely more imagination, creativity, um, learning. And it's kind of fun with this group even, you know, like or like story-based, but also seeing how their fine motor skills and their gross motor skills are just very different. Um, like Kate said, these they are they have not been here long. They've really only been on the earth for a couple of years. So watching them put a ball on the tee um, or in warm-ups in circle time, like these guys have mentioned as well, it's just very different, which I think if you do it well and you if you're um, open to getting better at it, um, this can be such a fun group to work with. 
couldn't agree more that they could be super fun to work with. I think, you know, there's a, little, a few things that have less joy than a group of four to six year olds running around outside in a beautiful day on the grass. So I think that's really a neat atmosphere. And that kind of brings me to another question that um, I know I can hear quite a few of our golf professionals ask, asking this question, knowing the topic and things. How do you keep them engaged for the set amount of time? I know we've, you know, <laughs> we've seen how the attention span matures as the kids mature. And so at this age, it's, it can be very much a challenge to keep them engaged in a group setting or in a place that they're unfamiliar. They've got new equipment, new surroundings, new sounds, touches. Um, and so how do you keep tiny people like this engaged? Um, Peter, I'll hear your opinions first. Um, I wondered the exact same thing when I sent, uh, when I paid Kate for the initials kit. I'm like, how on earth am I going to do this? Oh my goodness. That, uh, at least at the time, that seems like a lot of money. Uh, but what I've learned over time, uh, obviously Kate has been unbelievably, uh, kind and giving with her time to answer my questions. But what I've realized is the number one thing I have to do is stop being a golf professional. Um, stop thinking like a golf professional and start thinking like a human being. Um, because if you have a three or a four year old, uh, our, uh, the Trent Warner golf Academy, we're near the Centennial airport. Um, if I have a four year old boy, they are going to be really interested in the planes. And if that means stopping for a moment after they hit a great shot and talking to them about the fact that the Air Force, an Air Force jet just flew by as we're on our way to go back to our safety circles, then we're going to take that extra second. And it definitely looks different than your standard golf lesson than the one I may have just come out of or all just about to go into. Um, but if, if, as long as I'm patient and I stick within kind of the story we've created, I, I, I allow the kids to ask these different questions. Someone might be mowing the lawn and it's a different lawnmower than their, they see their granddad use. Um, and they, so they, they want to ask questions that I, again, going back, Maggie, you just referred back to it, what Kate said. This is all, these are all new things to them. So being willing to stop, like leave your agenda, personal golf pro agenda behind and step into their world, get down, uh, like crouch down, get on eye level and really be a part of their world versus forcing them to be a part of yours makes filling a, a 30 minute lesson. Or I usually do 30. If it's a private or group, it's usually 30 minutes, sometimes 45. Uh, but filling that time, it, it's honestly flies by particularly now i've really enjoyed uh, over the last year using the uh birdie basics playbooks um main reason is it has the game the birdie basics games that we we're using pre-pandemic already in them but it's in exchange of the velcro pieces that we were using that obviously you don't want tons of kids touching things it's so they now have their own kind of sticker book it includes uh, different activities uh, and also some ownership over this is theirs. This is their story that they're creating. Mama Birdie is here for the golf lesson. They know the baby birdies. They know that 
uh, the emotions and the feelings of Blue Birdie and Purple Birdie and how they interact together with their family. So it, as long as you, the coach, buy in, as silly as you may feel, and I personally felt at first, I'm like, oh, my gosh, every single member here is, a couple years ago is going to judge me for this. They're going to see me differently. Um, when you start to buy in, the kids will absolutely love you for it. And in my experience, I would rather, particularly with class times, uh, I would rather the kids be like, what do you mean it's ending circle time? Obviously in their own, their own kind of way to be like, no golf and class is wrapping down and they still want to be there, uh, particularly a couple of years now into the program and fine tuning some things. They want to keep going. I unfortunately have to be the bearer of bad news that class is ending. And it's entirely because I entered their world. Uh, I, I, I can't, I, Kate's now drilled that into my head. And it's probably the most important thing that I've learned of that being a coach of any person's age is they, these people, yes, they come to my workplace. Um, just like at Maggie, people come to, to common ground and work with you, but it's important for us to be entering their world to try to understand who they are and where they come from and why they're there. Um, and I think if any golf coach is able to do that, no matter what your your knowledge or background is, you're going to be able to be a more successful person, uh, more successful golf coach for the individual in front of you. And kind of follow-up question to all of that, too, is, is there a sweet spot for the length of class? A couple of you have mentioned 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Ooh, if someone good. were to implement this, what's the sweet spot? I, but it's what the coach feels comfortable with. I, I would have a very hard time delivering a 30-minute class. I don't think I yeah. should, quite honestly. <laughs> I think it would be, you know, I've always I've always worked my individual, like, week, week classes. They're an hour. And, you know, again, we, we draw on, I draw on a ton of classroom management strategies from circle time and creating routines where the, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end that's not even golf-related. Like, I mean, it is. It's, it's totally golf-related because in circle time, I might play an I Spy Birdie game with them where I give them all a sheet of the core birdieisms and I give them a crayon and we create a really fun conversation around I spy with my little eye birdie standing on something special and then they go find it and then we talk about it and then I might say okay Peter can you get up and demonstrate what does that mean and so that's a great example of like we're spending 10 minutes doing something that is really really relevant in a young child's life and we're, we're doing it um, there's a learning objective. They're learning these, these fundamentals of golf, but in a really fun way. And I just burned through 10 minutes. So then we're going to get up and now we're going to play a movement game that ties in the storyline of the day because I know that every child needs to move, likes to move, and it's a language they all speak. And if you're teaching them at 3.30 in the afternoon, they're coming to you. You don't know when their last movement opportunity was. So now we're spending 10, 15 minutes doing a movement game that is specific to that week's storyline. And now you're already talking 25 minutes and we haven't even gotten to the golf activity. Then we're breaking out each different activity, a putting station, a chipping station, or a second putting activity and a full swing station. Again, all tying in the storyline with these props that these children get to use and get their hands on and create and use in the storyline. And we're making them active participants in the storyline. So do all that with like maybe seven minutes of a rotation from a putting to a chipping to a full swing. And now you've just added 21 minutes 
and it barely leaves you time for your closing circle where then you get to take your classroom management strategies of, you know, let's talk about who is a super birdie today. You know, who was kind to their friend, who persevered through things, you know, who helped clean up, who was um, helping their friend, whatever it may be. And like you've easily burned through 60 minutes of a class and you haven't even gotten to like 10 things that were on your list that you wanted to do that day. So, uh, there's so much material. It, again, I think Peter nailed it. Like you take your golf pro hat off and you get into the mindset of a child that's between the ages of three to six. And if you want to excel at teaching this age group, then you go and you watch the experts. And that's not in the golf world. That is going into a preschool and watching precisely how a master teacher crafts the circle time experience so that when Peter's over there talking, 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 you're not just saying, Peter, I don't talk. I need to listen to Kate. You're crafting an experience where Peter feels heard. He feels he still belongs, but you're moving on and pacing the class so that you can get to everything. Like that's, that's the expert you want to go and watch. It's not the golf professional and no offense to golf professionals. Cause there are very, there are great golf professionals out there doing great things with early childhood that I know. Um, it, but if you, if you want to take this age group and run with it and do a really good job, then my suggestion would be go and watch the masters every single day that are spending five, six, seven, eight hours a day with children. See how they leverage story time. See how they leverage play. See how they create routines where they transition from music class to lunch. See what kind of language they're using when they're asking children to, you know, again, clean up and transition. Like these are all things that take what could be a very chaotic situation to an average golf pro. I wouldn't want to teach a bunch of four-year-olds if I had no resources and no rhyme or reason on as to how to uh, gather children, how to, uh, you know, take that one talker and like shut them up. And I'm, I'm joking when I say that. Um, so anyway, I think I went off the rails there a little bit, but um, how do you keep them engaged? There's so, there's a work. Children are sponges right and they there's so much material out there to craft an hour-long class and if you don't feel good about an hour-long class then do 30 minutes and keep it short and sweet and that's great and as peter said the best thing is that they want to come back and do more you've done your job so i think you know the sweet spot is whatever the coach feels comfortable with if if they can be present for 30 minutes and give them 120% of their time and energy and passion, then that's their sweet spot. If you have the resources to deliver an hour and a half long class, I do four hour camps in Central Park. We, we have three six year olds from nine in the morning until one in the afternoon. And we engage them for four hours. And I think you can probably guess that golf is probably an hour and 20 minutes of that. The rest of the time is creating a very early childhood centric experience so that again, I can scaffold their learning and I'm not going to go in and teach them grip aim stance and posture on the first day or even the first four days. But over time, I'm going to continue to scaffold where they are to get them to that next. Uh, of their learning. Yeah, I can't emphasize that more of watching teachers, um, I, not, not only in preschool. My sister is a preschool teacher, and so going and watching her classes has just like totally changed the way that I run um, junior golf. But also, if you don't work with this age group, but you work with, you know, um, I don't know, 
seven to 18 year olds go like sit in on, try to ask and sit in on a sixth grade class or a freshman in high school class, just the way that teachers manage kids. We can definitely take some notes as golf professionals. Um, but I'd also just say on keeping their attention. One, I totally agree. An hour goes by incredibly flat, but incredibly fast. You blink um, and it's over. But also, um, and I love all my students totally equally, but from ages three to 83, the three to six year olds are by far the best listeners, um, just because you do see them in the, in the, talking about those routines and the environments that they're used to. Um, you know, if, as long as they understand what you tell them to do, they're on it. Um, usually it's our fault that they don't understand what we're asking them to do. Um, as far as keeping them engaged, they're, they're pretty good as long as, as we, like they said, get on their level and do it the way they understand. I think repeat something I said earlier, but like making them an active participant, right? You're not just there to tell them to play a putting game, but through storylines, you know, as, as you had said, they can be the, the, the superhero saving the dog from the pound. Or in Birdie's case, it could be the ambulance driver that's trying to get injured Birdie to the hospital because she stepped outside of her safety zone. You know, so week after week, there's a storyline where they get to take on these personas within the story. And I've never met a three to six year old that doesn't absolutely love story time and and pretend and getting dressed up. And, and like, so if you leverage all of that in the golf environment, I just it's shocking why more three to six year olds aren't on the golf course like they need to be. It's just it's just so good. Absolutely. One of the best sports out there for kids of any age. So to kind of revisit a talking point, I know, Peter, you were pretty excited about it. Kate, you were excited about it to talk about the space. So a golf course is a really, really, really big space for tiny golfers. And so how can you kind of stack the deck in your favor and create an environment that is conducive to teaching uh, six and under golfers? Kate, I'd like to hear your thoughts on, on the space. I had a great amount of success teaching in a lot of different spaces. I think, you know, to go back to your question about what activities are you doing to engage them, when you can nail that part of it, you can teach them anywhere. What I will say is that with the younger, younger ones, like three-year-olds, I have found since 2007 that they oftentimes are much better in a, in a smaller, even indoor space where, I, I mean, I just finished teaching a class at a YMCA with a bunch of three-year-olds, five three-year-old boys, and there was basketball going on, and it was a huge gym, and, you know, there were people walking by, getting ready to go into the pool, and, like, everything was just stimulating, and the echo of the gym, um, and I, you know, I thought back to, like, of course, duh, I've been doing this for however many years, and, if, and of course, this is not the most ideal learning environment. 900 square feet with, like, four walls would have been really great, right, as opposed to 9,000 square feet with a lot of echo. Um, but I think you can, I think just because it's a golf course in a big open space, you know, you create a boundary and children are very receptive to that. You know, back to what you were saying, it's like as long as you give them information they can understand and say like, Hey, here's, here's the room that we're using today. See these red four cones, these four red cones. This is our golf room today. And, and, and give them a boundary and they will more often than not respect that boundary. Um, so I don't know if I answered your question, but I'd say with the really little ones, indoors is oftentimes a really great space. Absolutely. Yeah. Having, having some kind of a space that's 
friendly, familiar, and safe for them is is key. Uh, Peter, how do you guys do create your space? So uh, it, I try to get kids at, at Meridian. I try to get kids off to the side a little bit, make sure that they're not right next to something or someone that may be distracting. Now at a golf course, we can't control the entire environment. So obviously we just do the best job of that we can. And through the birdieisms and safety circles, uh, as well as some of the stories such as Birdie's Ambulance, which is always what I start out with to help ed educate kids on safety at the golf course. Uh, there's a reason that that is the first story in Chapter 1. Um, I, I do my best, but I mentioned earlier airplanes. There are airplanes. There are people hitting drivers. There are there are noises and distractions. The most successful class I've ever run was in a partitioned off music room at, at a uh, at an elementary school. And I texted Kate right after the class ended and said, "Mess." I was like, basically, that was the best class that I've ever run. It was about an hour long. The kids were engaged. I got to watch spend time with their preschool teacher. Teachers. Uh, I don't do in-school classes here in Colorado, but I did in Virginia, and I got to spend time with their preschool teachers arriving early to see them at the end of their class, understand the transition, and then while they were still in this this more controlled environment where they understood the behavioral expectations of them, I could walk them over to this room and had everything laid out in a place that they were comfortable and familiar with. There was, and it may, there was one time where uh, we moved the class outside. I'm like, hey, it's a beautiful spring day. Let's move it outside. Chaos. Because somebody saw somebody's older brother across the uh, across the playground, and it was just went nuts. So even though it got still got warmer and warmer as we got into spring, I kept them inside. Uh, but if you do provide those boundaries and they understand what's expected of them, if it's at your busy country at a busy public range or your country club putting green. As long as they understand where they are and where they're supposed to be, they'll follow. Usually when a kid goes off in some direction that they're not supposed to, it's because I haven't laid out the boundary properly. And once I let them know, like, hey, hey, remember that the, the baby birdies had to go see Dr. Birdie because they wandered out too far in the driving range, they remember how they couldn't play golf with the baby birdies this week because they got injured and that's the last time it will happen because it, it it usually falls on us as the coach for not laying things out properly for them the, the kids are elastic they'll do not only does it seem like they just bounce if they fall um they they're they're like emotionally uh very intelligent we they just need guidance at this point because they don't have the life experiences that we all do but so the it's I love small spaces. I have zero problem doing classes indoors. I do them indoors during the winter, and kids absolutely love them. Um, so there's, like, I think Birdie Basics is probably the most weatherproof, or just this age group in general, is probably the most weather and event-proof program that you can run because it doesn't require launch. It doesn't require a track man. It doesn't require indoor simulators. All it requires is a small amount of space for me, preferably a carpet, but it can be hard, it can be a hard floor and an imagination, which, which is, so you don't have to have a create $25,000 budget or the newest 
indoor studio to provide a first class experience for these kids. Absolutely. Um, Maggie, do you guys do anything different at Common Ground? Um, so we use all outdoor space. So one thing that's different for me, I came from um, First Tee of Pikes Peak, if you've been down there, um, massive indoor facility. So I actually did more of my programming indoors than outside. Um, just as a golf pro, maybe that side of me, but also as a native Coloradoan, I'm just obsessed with being outside. Um, so at Common Ground, everything is outside. Um, we don't run um off-season programs. Everything is spring through fall, um, which I happen to really like. I totally agree with these guys that having kids inside, um, they are totally able to focus. I've done a lot of golf in schools. I did with Holly um, just in my career, but also um, on internships. But um, so absolutely in gyms, it's awesome. Um, but we do everything outside. And so very similar to these guys, just what they've said to reiterate, if you establish the boundary um, they have it. They always respect it. You know, very, very one-off situations. But um, exactly, if they don't, that's kind of on us. Um, but yeah, I think at the same time, these kids. You know, you see somebody who's, oh my gosh, a butterfly. I have to go, go chase it for a second, or look at that truck that drove by. That's really cool and really loud. Um, just let them have that moment. Um, sometimes I get distracted by whatever that plane that, dr- that flies by too. So we're all human. That's kind of just how it goes. But yeah, just letting them be a kid. Um, I think that just for the sake of that boundary, I, you know, we use um, the golf course as a moment to um, like teach them. So always, always, always every single young class I have, we're feeling the putting green. Oh my gosh, feel how soft it is. And, and if this is the baby grass, we're really gentle. We don't run on this. And then feeling the bridge, feeling the fairway, rough, um, you know, everything, just using it as a teaching experience. Um, and then, yeah, they usually get the, get the gist that this is where we're having class and, you know, we don't go past that. So. Well, folks, to round out this episode, I would just invite each one of you to kind of give a closing statement on why people should get involved with teaching early age instruction um, or, you know, just what your overall thoughts are on the programs. Obviously, you're both you're all three very passionate about it. And uh, just what would you kind of give our listeners in closing? Yeah, absolutely. I would just say working with this age group. I mean, I love working with juniors. When I first came to experience golf at Common Ground, I was like, wow, you guys started three. That's so young, a little intimidated, a little nervous. But honestly, I think we have a tendency as golf pros with full tee sheets and, and instructors and coaches with full lesson books that sometimes we can get in this tendency of being stressed and running from one, one lesson to the next or even teaching junior golf from one class to the next but if there is something that can really fuel the fire and really keep it joyful and keep it exciting, um, find the joy in your job. There's, there is three to six year old is these, these young ones that, um, you know, we say it all the time, but honestly, we can learn a whole lot from them more than they're probably learning from us. So just honestly, um, you know, the going back to the concept and the idea of having fun at the golf course, we, we do spend so much time with all of our students with, um, you know, what they want to shoot and, and their ball flight and this and that, which is awesome and it's super important. But just seeing a kid turn back to you and smile at you when they get it in the air for the first time, um, in my opinion, that is absolutely worth teaching this age group without a doubt. Absolutely well said. Um, Peter, thoughts on teaching this age group? 
I absolutely love teaching this age group. Uh, it's it almost like emotionally recharging because uh, during these long summer days when we can, as Maggie just said, go, we can go from private lesson to private lesson into a group to, to a quick lunch break and which is really just working lunch and like continue going and going. And then these, le- these types of lessons, if they're mixed in with your daily schedule, really force you to, to stop, uh, kind of s- slow down, try to understand where someone's coming from. Someone who generally thinks things are pretty funny. Um, just the fact that, I don't know, there's a squirrel hilarious uh it it really makes me kind of slow down and recharges my batteries as a golf as a golf pro uh and as a as a teach as a full-time teaching professional uh because then i can go and shoot and at least in my opinion i can then go teach that elite junior or collegiate golfer and have a much more successful, energetic, productive lesson with them by just having kind of recharged and realized the the joy that is in golf versus just focusing on why they're swinging one and a half down on their driver and not two up. And uh, that while, yeah, it's important, but how does that all play into the big picture? And I feel like that's what coaching little kids is all about is, is fitting golf and life skills all into this large picture of life and learning. Um, and it's, I truthfully makes me feel like a Swiss army knife of golf instruction. I, I, Maggie, I'm sure it's pretty similar for you. I have an age range of about 80 years in my students. Um, and if I didn't teach kids three, four, five, six, seven years old, uh, I think there would be a pretty big gap missing because um, there's a, there's a lot of joy in these kids. I would say uh, teaching this age group, I think, is just a, is a phenomenal exercise in stretching and growing as a professional. And I think Peter Peter hit this nail on the head a while back. It makes you a better coach. Like if you can learn how to guide this age group and manage this age group, you're going to be better at teaching all ages. And I think, I mean, we're put on this earth, right, to stretch and to grow. And I think if people just open, have a little bit more of an open heart and an open mind, that this age group is so coachable. They're so ripe and ready. They go to school every day. So learning is happening in their world. And why not bring them into the golf world? And if you can be brave, a little bit brave, and take a, a chance and, and open the door and put your foot in, I think you're going to be very pleasantly surprised. And, and it's not for everybody. I, I know that. However, I've seen it time and time again where coaches who didn't think they could do it are now doing it full time. This is what they do, three to six-year-olds. And I, I can give you plenty of anecdotes around that and how coaches have, have, have kind of seen the light, like, oh, my gosh, these children are coachable and I can do this. And there's a rhyme and reason to it. And if I have the right expectations, and as Peter said, I can get on the level of a child and understand what makes them tick and leverage the things that are in their school and how they're learning, you can knock this age group out of the park. And it's the right thing to do for children. Fantastic thoughts from a very passionate expert on the subject. So thank you, Kate. 